This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington. Alone in the studio today, except for my man Brian Allage running the boards in there. Say hi, Brian. Hi, Brian. I knew he was going to do that. Uh, Evan is on the road. Evan's in Boston. And, and our good friend, David Moore, is in Frisco at the Star. Mini camp this week, first day. David, what's going to happen out there today? Well, if you're in the studio with Brian, you might as well be alone. Because. Wow, there was a shot. You just said that because he made that comment about you riding to work in a Vespa. <laughs> Maybe that would get him to talk. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. So how's it, how's it going out there? What's going to happen this week in the minicamp? What, what should fans be looking for this week? Well, uh, really nothing more than what they looked for in these OTAs. Uh, um, you know, the, sometimes the difference is that you have better participation in the mini camp because it's mandatory, not voluntary, like all the previous sessions. Uh, but the Cowboys, for several years, and this year was no exception, uh, had uh, pretty much unanimous turnout in the voluntary portion. Um, so you're not going to see any players here that haven't been here previously like you do in some other stops around the league, like in uh, Cleveland with Odell Beckham Jr. and, and, and some others. Um Really, while the Cowboys are, are, you know, in the process of elongating some contractual arrangements uh, with their key players, like Dak Prescott and, and Amari Cooper and, and Ezekiel Elliott, um, none of those players are going to skip uh, the mandatory uh, mini-camp mini to make a point like you see other players doing around the league and those stories coming out over the last few days. So it's just going to be a continuation of, of what they put in place. And uh, the, the difference is that uh, as the media, we get to see them for three consecutive days, whereas we've been only allowed into one session earlier. Um, they just continue to uh, you know, reinforce and, and go over some of the things they've installed at each of these steps, uh, add a few more things in the installation to their offense, and, and uh, work on some things defensively uh, that they want to change or tweak this year. And you just you get these first glimpses of that at this stage. But really, until they get to training camp and, and they're going uh, every day for four days before they get their day off into that routine, uh, it's hard to glean too much because these guys aren't in pads. So you can say, wow, that defensive lineman looks really good or, or you know, that offensive lineman uh, looks like he's in really good shape. But... Uh, especially in the line, until they get their pads on and, and they start hitting and actually tackling, uh, it, it's hard to tell about some of the positions in my mind. 
You might be able to tell, though, what uh, the philosophy is now under Kellen Moore. And uh, I, I wonder, though, and, and you and I have talked about this a little bit, but I want to go over it some more today. Um, you, you know, the, the framework for the offense and what they're going to do probably is not changing tremendously. What's probably going to happen is there's going to be some tweaks to some certain things, and, and we might see a guy who's more inclined to actually put these plays into a game uh, more so than Scott Linehan did when he was the offensive coordinator. How do, how do you feel about that? Sure, I agree with that. They're, they're, look, this is still Jason Garrett's offensive scheme. Uh, you're not going to vary much beyond that. You, that is your base, uh, and, and you grow it from there. So you're still going to see, if there's some elements of this offense that, that drive you crazy as a fan, you're still going to see them. Uh, but what they're talking about here is that, you know what, you give four different looks or whatever to get back to what you want to run. And that's what they're doing here. It's just kind of misdirection. It's a lot of what the Rams do. Um, you know, they're going to run, um, you know, they're still going to run a play. Uh, they're still going to run off tackle. But they give you a look for one, makes you think they're going to uh, do a flare uh, out to the back. Two, it looks like they're going to go to the slot receiver. Three, it looks like this. But at four, they round up just handing the ball off to Gurley again. Um, that's what they're doing here. They just don't want to, um, you know, they just don't want to uh, give a clear picture to the defense exactly what it is that's coming. And and I think I think especially early in this that, that the, there'll be a big advantage of. Uh, the, the unknown of Kellen Moore, because even if you, no one really knows, they may know what he likes and what he wants to do, but defensive coordinators aren't going to know how he gets to those, what he wants to do, or, or what looks he uses, or, or what his tendencies are, because he has no tendencies as a play caller, because he's never done it before uh, at this level. So, uh, I think that's going to give Dallas a big advantage early offensively. And, and if they have that, uh, I think that can build a confidence and a momentum, much like they had a couple of years ago when um, no one envisioned Dak Prescott being dropped into this offense and it changing the way it did. Um, and I still maintain that's a big reason that that team uh, was so surprising and caught everyone off guard and was able to win 11 straight was because really all of their offensive tendencies under uh, Tony Romo were out the window. Uh, this team was completely different, uh, and obviously uh, Elliott was, was in for his first season, too, so uh, that was different as well. But um, I think you're going to see some of that surprise and, and some of that defensive coordinators back on their heels just because of the unknown uh, of Kellen Moore. All of that being said, I don't think this offense is going to be that different, but it should be much more efficient and much more productive than what we saw consistently over the last season and a half. And I think that will probably modify fans at least early. Now we'll see what happens when coordinators get a little bit better bead on what it is Kellen Moore likes to do and how they like to get to things. But uh, I think it should work to their advantage early, even though they're not going to be running things that are all that, all that different. It's just going to look different. We, you know, we haven't talked about in the offensive line uh, yet about Travis Frederick uh, and, you know, coming back from Guillain-Barre syndrome and uh, the debilitating effects of that. 
you've seen him a little bit out there. Um, what does he look like? Does he look like he's 75%, 90%? What, what would you say? Well, again, it's hard to tell. He hasn't done a lot in uh, teamwork. He's still doing stuff off to the side because uh, in addition to recovering from Guillaume Barre, he also had shoulder surgery, so they don't want him engaging much in there. And, uh, you know, he also had like a, a hernia operation. As well. Oh, my so gosh. They, they, they kind of used this offseason to uh, totally redo it. But he's out there. He's moving uh, pretty well. So, you know, there are a lot of positives. But, again, for me, it's still, and for me, I mean, for him, it's going to be getting back out there and hitting again. Uh, and when he does that in July, late July or, or early August, it's going to be the first time he's done that in, in nearly a year. And it's going to take a while to get his body uh, conditioned back to the point where I think he's going to feel comfortable in there. So, um, you know, I, I think he still feels a little bit different, but he hasn't been thrown completely back in. But from a neurological standpoint, uh, he's been cleared and, and everything's firing, and he says there are no residual effects. But there's a difference in not having any residual effects and getting back to a, an elite athlete. Uh, point where you can play in an NFL game, and, and he still has a lot to go there. Yeah, he's very fortunate he had, didn't have any, as you as you pointed out, residual effects because you know we, our good friend uh, the late Jerry Fraley, his uh, oldest one of his twin sons, Sam, uh, also had Guillain-Barré syndrome and uh, and was reduced to having to use a walker at one point, uh, and actually that was after he was bedridden, and he still has some lingering effects there in his. Uh, Facial expression, his face, a little facial paralysis there. A lot of people who have that do uh, have these problems uh, forever, or not not as obviously as bad as they were at, at, at its low point, uh, but it still is a lingering uh, problem. So the fact that he didn't uh, is a really good sign. And uh, but I, I wonder, as you said, you know, it's a big difference between just getting back to feeling like your your normal self and playing professional football. So if we're looking across. Yeah, it, yeah, real quickly on that. Yeah, the numbers I numbers I've seen are reading up on this are like basically ninety five percent of people who have this return and, and have no residual effects over time. They may initially, but but they will dissipate and they will go on and, and you could never tell them. That. But but those studies are also just talking about resuming normal day to day life in the business world, not on a professional football field or, or any sort of uh, competitive professional. Uh, level of competition, so that um, you know we'll see, and we don't know what levels he'll be able to play this year. He may be looking at uh, it may take him a year to really get back and, and get uh, you know cycle back or be back in the position where he is as dominant as a player as he was before this. Yeah, we just uh, no one really knows that until he gets out there and we see it. So no one really knows, but I'm going to make you uh, stick your neck out here, David. I want you to tell me. Right now, before training, before this mini camp, before training camp, on opening day, their first game, who's what's going to be the offensive line from left to right? Well, it'll be Frederick at center. Um, You're not going left uh, to I right think, there, but that's okay. You know, okay, well, left to right, we'll go uh, Tyron Smith, left tackle. Yeah. Um, I still think opening day you're going to see Connor Williams at left guard. Uh, I think you'll see. Uh, I think it's going to be how you ended last year. You're just going to put uh, Frederick in at center, and then at uh, right guard you'll have Zach Martin, who's arguably the the most dominant guard in the NFL today, and Lyle Collins out at right tackle. Now, where the 
what is interesting and where the competition comes in is their third-round pick this year, Connor McGovern. Um, if you have any issues with uh, Travis Frederick, you know, your default would be to say, well, you'll just slip Joe Looney back in there. But Connor McGovern would also be given a chance to win the starting job at center if, if there was any, um, you know, if, 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 if Frederick's arc to a return isn't uh, always going up. And, and uh, I think McGovern will also be given a chance to compete at, at left guard uh, with Connor Williams. So I, I think McGovern, the only way you would have a difference in the starting lineup is, is if Kev, uh, Connor McGovern plays his way in. And while I think that's a possi- possibility, I would not call it a probability at this point. How much different do you think that would be from next year's uh, 2020's opening day offensive line? Well, you know, they say they want to pay Lyle Collins to keep this together. They'll have the money. But um, when you look at the, the size of the contract that Demarcus Lawrence got, when you project what uh, Dak Prescott will have signed by then, when you look at what uh, Amari Cooper will have signed by then, when you look at the fact, in, in my belief, they'll still be negotiating with Ezekiel Elliott, uh, then you'll have Byron Jones will come up. Uh, you'll have to make a decision on him right there. I just don't know. You're already paying three pro bowlers in the offensive line. Uh, you can't continue to throw that much money into that side, into that position, and have a balanced team. You have to let something go. And I think they feel they, they, feel they drafted to the point where they can let something go. So um, I think if, if you want me to project right now what the starting offensive line will be in 2020, it would be Tyron Smith, left tackle. It would be uh, Connor McGovern, left guard. It would be Frederick Center. It would be Zach Martin, right guard. And it would be Connor Williams going out to right tackle, which is where uh, he was a tackle at UT in college. David, that's exactly what I wanted you to say. Uh, so, so good job. That. Good work. Uh, yeah, that, that sounds right to me, too. And, 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 I, and I don't disagree with that philosophy, you know, I, uh, just for, just for the reason you said, you got so many guys you're trying to pay now. You're paying so many guys uh, on the offensive side. And I, uh, the other day, I wrote about uh, the kind of the imbalance of, of uh, pay on this team and how many of the the top, I believe it's six of the nine uh, highest paid Cowboys are all on offense, which is not all that unusual. Except that a lot of those guys are offensive linemen, uh, which is a little unusual. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it, you can't keep pouring money into there, especially if you're going to pay uh, Ezekiel Elliott, make him the highest paid running back in the game. Uh, Cooper will be among the top five receivers in the game. Uh, Dak Prescott, at the time he signs his contract, will be among the top five, um, you know, quarterbacks, highest paid quarterbacks in the league. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence is among the top five defensive ends in the league. Uh, you, you just can't keep, you know, extending that all the way across the board. And and you know what? They, they could make that decision. They could say, okay, let's do this. But then where are you going to short yourself? So then when Jalen Smith and and uh, Leighton Vanderesh come up, you don't pay them money, and, and the defense now is not as good. So they're going to have some you know choices they have to make going forward. And if if you have the best, what you consider the best running back in the game, and with three Pro Bowl linemen in your offensive line, I think you're going to look at that and go, it's just not a good use of resources to continue.
continue to throw money into the offensive line. We need to sprinkle this around. Let's talk about that best running back in the game. Um, so uh, do you believe uh, that it is money well spent to sign him to the biggest contract, uh, with a contract even bigger than, than Todd Gurley's after the Rams, maybe having second thoughts about doing that considering his, uh, the condition of his knee? Well, now, Gurley came into this league with a knee issue and wasn't able to play right away. Yeah, uh, You're seeing that now. The question on Gurley was always, from a health standpoint, coming into the league, whether he could withstand the rigors of the league. You haven't seen that with Ezekiel Elliott, and that hasn't been a question. So while overall I agree with the theory that, you know what, if you have a really good offensive line, uh, you can be very productive with – in your running game with a back who is not at the top uh, uh, of the league in that category. And I think you saw that with uh, DeMarco Murray. Uh, you know, he led the league in rushing. It rushed for more in that one season than Ezekiel Elliott has in any of his three seasons here. But I don't think anyone would argue that DeMarco Murray is a better back than uh, Ezekiel Elliott. So I, from a production standpoint, you can argue it does not make sense to do it. But I think there are some rare transitional players or generational players that come along at, at a position. And it appears from a durability standpoint and from a talent standpoint and from an impact standpoint that Ezekiel Elliott is one of those players. So, you know, even when he was taken, I think a lot of people speculated on, well, Dallas has fallen into this of, of just uh, use the guy, you get diminishing returns on running backs, and you don't pay them the big money and you move along. I I agree with that in concept, but I also believe that there are certain players uh, who come along that will force you to say, you know what, I agree with that in theory and would do it with any other running back in the league, but I'm not going to do it with this guy. And I think that is, I think that is this is another season of figuring out if he really is that special talent that comes along so rarely uh, that you say, you know what, um, we wouldn't do this for any other player at this position, but we're going to do it for him. I think they're leaning in that direction with him. I think all the signs are there. Um, but again, I, I think you you know you take this season and, and, and play this out and you'll have, one more year down the road, and you'll have a, even a better feel about it than you do right now. Yeah, I'm I'm a little torn about all of this about what they should do, you know, uh, because the the biggest argument and in, in favor of what you're talking about, besides the talent, and that's and that's all we concede all that, you know, the guys uh, he's he's a he is I think a generational talent at running back, and he does seem incredibly durable. He just hasn't seemed to have any real problems of any kind. Is the fact that he will play this entire season at the age of 24. So when you talk about that uh, and then extending him after that, if you're, if you're talking about getting another after this season another five years out of him, then he'll be 29 uh, at the end of that. And then it's time, obviously, uh, when, when a running back, uh, you know, the Cowboys have always believed, and it's one of the reasons they let DeMarco Murray go, was that uh, by the time a running back gets to his 30s, he's probably done. Uh, and, and I think that, that most NFL teams uh, believe that. So uh, I could certainly see that. My, my, my only question is uh, about just the money you're spreading around, uh, how the salary cap rises, how high it goes, what you can do, how you can 
put together a team. Uh, and then on defense, uh, the, as you talked about, when, when Jalen Smith and Leighton Vanderesh, when their contracts come up, you know, are you going to be able to pay those guys? Or are you going to be able to pay Byron Jones? I know there are some people saying that he should be on the bubble too. He needs to show that he can do this for another year as well. Um, I just thought that, you know, I don't have as many problems with the, the Byron Jones thing as maybe some people do. I know he didn't. Uh, it, the interceptions weren't there. I just thought that, you know, they just simply weren't throwing to him. And when you watched him play, you just saw him blanket, guys. Uh, and he just had so much confidence and is, has such great speed. And he is such a great athlete. It makes him really good. So I just think that there are a lot of uh, issues here involved in it. And I think, you know, letting him play out this this uh, – letting him play this year, uh, no deal this year, see about uh, then uh, then what you do after that. that that's to me that uh, I think will happen. So you, you don't expect that they would do something with Zeke – uh, before uh, this season or during this season, I think it's highly unlikely. I think uh, they'll do something with Prescott. I think they'll do something with Cooper. Um, I I think you know, look, they they can they control Elliott for another two years. I mean, because right. he was a first round pick. You know, the difference is that Prescott doesn't get that fifth year off his rookie deal because he was a first round pick. Right. I mean, because Fourth he wasn't round. a first round pick. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, they have to do something with him sooner rather than later. They, you know, Ezekiel Elliott has this year on his rookie contract. They can exercise Elliott's option for a fifth year. The, the club can exercise that option and would. Right. And then after that, they could uh, put the transition tag on him. Right. You know, so, um, I mean, technically they can control him for three more years. Now, um that wouldn't happen because they're, you know, I, he wouldn't take that well. But to me, I, that's just to, to get across that, look, um, he's farther out down before, you know, he's going to start saying, hey, you need to do something for me now. Uh, they've made it very clear they're going to do something for him. Uh, but I don't, it's not going to be this season. It's going to be at the end of 2019 season. And, you know, look, to cut through everything and, and, and maybe kind of consolidate what, what both of us are saying here, I, they're going to take this year to determine, you know, is this is this an Adrian Peterson sort of running back or is this a guy who's just below? And if he's just below, then you have a decision about whether or not you're going to give him that second, you know, deal and tie him down. But, you know, for all we talk about Dak and what he's going to get and what Dak's going to get paid, um, no one will question who the, the identity of this offense is and who the uh, leader and, and the linchpin of this offense is. That's Ezekiel Elliott. And if you're, I, I, again, I think that's what makes it so difficult. You know, DeMarco Murray had a productive season, but no one said the entire offense is built around DeMarco Murray. Yeah. Uh, this offense right. is built around Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, that's a great point. Great point. All right, so uh, so where else can we turn to look here? We talked about the, the fact that you thought that Randall Cobb was really showing the ability to do a lot of things on offense, uh, that Tony Pollard uh, showed the, uh, some flashes of some things in the limited uh, viewability that you all have. Uh, uh, so what uh, what else should uh, – let, let's take on the – I want you to take a guy on each side of the ball and tell me who the fans should be looking for this week. Just week on each side of the ball. Um, offensively, um, 
Well, again, at this stage, I would go with guys that, that you know, fans here haven't seen and want to know a little bit more about. Um, so that would go against uh, Amari Cooper. You know, really offensively, I, I think it is telling Porter more than anybody. Um, you, you want to see the movement. You want to see different sets. You know, they, um, you know, another thing, this is a boring thing. You want to see how many two tight end sets they're running. Uh, the yeah. fewer two tight end sets they're running, uh, when they go to 11 personnel, which is a one tight end set, do uh, you have more creativity out of that? You're attacking the defense differently. And, you know, they've been using one more one tight end set uh, that we've seen uh, to this point in, in training camp. So I, I really, I, I still think, you know, the, the major thing you're looking at offensively is uh, Kellen Moore to get an idea of how he's going to go about this and will things really be open up. So, Rather more than any individual player on offense, I'm going to say Kellen Moore. And um, but but if you want to do a player, and I know this goes against what I just said, uh, but you know Dak Prescott does appear to be more accurate, at least at, at this stage of camp, than we've normally seen him. And you you, it, I think it's easy to kind of connect the dots at this point to say that it appears that John Kitna. Uh, has had a positive impact on his fundamentals and his footwork and, and maybe something uh, pinpointed something in his technique. Now, again, we'll see if it goes on, but, you know, Dak has never been an outstanding practice player from what we've seen. He, he's always been an outstanding performer once the game starts, uh, but he's been a little bit inconsistent in practice more so than some of the other top players. But he's been very good, at least in the, in the limited times we've seen him. So I'll do that on the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side, um, like I said, I don't think you can really see that much from the defensive linemen at these because you're not you're you have contact, but but not the sort of contact that you have even in training camp with pads on. You know what you have at linebacker. Um, you know what you have or don't have at safety. Um, so I, I think it's I think it's some of these young corners. I think it's a uh, you know Michael Jackson. Uh, who came out of um, uh, Miami, uh, the fifth-round pick. Uh, it's Westry, uh, uh, a guy out of Kentucky that they signed immediately after the draft. I know that's two guys, but, but I think the cornerback position, to see how these younger guys are, are moving around and, and how they look. And don't dismiss a guy just because he was taken in the fifth round, because you know Richard Sherman was taken in the fifth round, uh, Cam Chancellor was taken in the fifth round, uh, in fact, you go back and you look at Super Bowl rosters in these last uh, 10 years, and most of the starting corners uh, on these Super Bowl teams have been corners who were taken in the, in the fifth round, fourth, fifth round, or later. Uh, I think it speaks to that position and how it's much more uh, than just the athletic ability of that position. There's a certain tenacity and mindset that comes with it that, that doesn't always equate uh, or you can't always find at the top of the draft necessarily that you're assured of. So, um, that's a long-winded way of saying if you want me to narrow it down to two, I'll give you a, a very odd pairing and go Dak Prescott on one side and uh, Michael Jackson on the other. Yeah, uh, I think what happens a lot of time with those DBs is that these, you know, that's such, that's such a position of confidence and mindset and and, and will. And and uh, when you've been taken in the fifth round and you thought you were better than that, you feel like you've got something to prove. And so I think that's what 
happens a lot of times. I, I'm uh, the the Chris Westry thing. I don't for for I, I can't even really tell you why, but I'm really intrigued by him just because of the size. He's six four, runs a four three forty. Uh, he's very raw, and that's why he wasn't drafted at all. Uh, but I really uh, would like to see what Chris Richard can do with a guy like that. I don't expect him to even be on the active roster this year, uh, but I, I, I would think that in, a, in a, another year or two, I'd like to see what he maybe could build out of the, that kind of raw material. Yeah, he's most likely a practice squad guy at this point. But, you know, you have uh, you know two injuries at that position, and all of a sudden this thing looks different. And, and I can tell you, you're – Good. David, we're going to let you go so you can get out there and do some actual work. Uh, unlike me, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just goofing off myself. Uh, so we will uh, next week when we talk to you again, we'll have all of this uh, information we've gleaned from minicamp and uh, all kinds of things to talk about. We'll have all the answers in for sure. Absolutely. Thank you, David. Thanks a lot. There goes David Moore out at the star. He's our man on the scene. Showed up on his Vespa, uh, cleaning the bugs from his teeth as he uh, as he walked into uh, uh, the star. Uh, Brian, any, you got any thoughts on the uh, the Cowboys in minicamp? No. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Thanks for the help there. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how this all goes. Uh, you know, this is a young team that uh, has performed very well. Uh, this is a very promising team. You know, they won 10 games last year, got in the second round of the playoffs. I know that there are people – I'm always amazed at people who feel like, ah, they won't, do any, they won't do any good this year. It's a tougher schedule, blah, 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 all of that. Uh, I don't know why you'd feel that way about a young team. It's one thing when you're, you get 10 or 11 wins out of an older team and it's the last gasp and that's it. Uh, that's not the case with this one. Uh, this is – Young and, and, and very obvious talent. You can see the talent. Uh, these guys are going to start coming into their own. You've got a quarterback going into his fourth season. This is when Dak should make a step up. If he doesn't make a step up now, when is he going to do that? Uh, that's that's the one thing I would say is I don't believe in Dak. You don't believe totally. in Dak? Brian? Totally. Wow, not totally. Well, it's a, there's a lot of people who, who uh, think like you do. I, I think that he's – I don't know that he'll ever be a I, – I, well, I don't think he'll ever be a top-five quarterback. I think he's a top-10. I think he could be uh, in that range uh, right there. I think he may be in that range right now. Uh, I, I like him because of his uh, because of his makeup and because of his athletic ability and because he, uh, he makes things happen in, in the fourth quarter. Uh, there's no question about that. Uh, the the, the uh, inaccuracy is a real problem. And not only is the inaccuracy a problem, his inability to make quick reads is a problem. He's, has to, he's going to have to get better in the pocket and determining where he's going to go with the ball. This uh, could be the year he, you know, does everything. But Well, we'll, we'll, see. we'll, we'll see. We'll see what John Kitten and Kellen Moore do for him. Uh, that's, uh, um, you know, we, we talked about, they, or David talked about the things that he saw, uh, you know, in OTAs and how he was throwing the ball better. 
that's all well and good. Uh, what happens in a game is that you re- usually regress to what you are. That's practice. That's practice. We're talking about practice. Practice. That's right, Alan Iverson. So uh, we'll, we'll see if he's able to translate those things to games. You know, it has to become a natural thing. When you make adjustments and do things that, that were not natural to you, then you, it, has to be, it has to become natural. Because if you're thinking about it, it's like me in my golf swing. I'm thinking about, oh, 16 things in that backswing. And that's why it doesn't turn out so well. Uh, or it's one of the reasons why it doesn't turn out well. So you, as, a, as a player, and you're, you're in the middle of all that, you can't be thinking about all that stuff. It has to be very natural. So if he can get uh, his fundamentals uh, honed a little bit there, I think he has all the other characteristics of what you want in a quarterback. You know, it's all the things that all these great quarterbacks for the Cowboys like about him. You know, the fact that he is such a leader, he is so determined to be good. Um, he just He's a high-quality individual. Uh, so if he can translate that, a little more to what he's doing and, and take on a bigger share of the offense than what they've had him do in the past, which was all, as David said, all built around the running game and, and a player like Zeke Elliott, then we'll, we'll see if the Cowboys have something going. So that's going to do it for me, Brian. Is that all right for you? That's fine. Okay. Well, then we're going to call uh, Evan Grant. He's going to uh, join us from Boston uh, and talk about the Rangers, the, the, the rampaging Rangers. I'm going to call him that now. What do you think? Does that sound good to you? That sounds great. Rampaging Rangers. Okay. Uh, you really we'll, sound like you, you believe we'll in that. Get that, that copyright. Yeah, get that copyright. That'd be good. Like five slam a jamma. Uh, that'd be super. All right. Uh, so, for everybody in here, to everybody out there, that's our Cowboys podcast. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.